It's really good to see you guys yet again. We are on a streak of seeing one another that I find compelling. Um, I'm excited to get, uh, I'm excited about Advent season in general. I'm excited to get to our passage today. Let me tell you what's going to happen between now and Christmas. Uh, We're going to look at three angelic Christmas conversations recorded in the Gospels. And then that the one of the weeks will be uh, Advent worship. So it's going to be angelic conversation, angelic conversation, Advent worship, angelic conversation. New Year's is not me. I will break the streak. And then we'll start another streak. Uh, we're going to preach through the book of First Peter for the first few months of the year. But angelic conversation number one for Advent today. We're going to look at the message that the angel Gabriel brought to Mary in Luke chapter 1. First, I want to get us thinking in the right direction by talking about my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law was actually here at our service last Sunday. Some of you may have met her. Her name is Victoria Jackson, and though I did not know it when I first met her daughter, My mother-in-law was a cast member on Saturday Night Live for six seasons in the 80s. She was in a bunch of movies and such. I had no idea. I was not watching Saturday Night Live in the 80s. I was seven or whatever I was. (laughs) But when I met uh, Scarlett and we were first dating, I was just captivated by this reality. Like, I wanted to hear stories all the time from SNL's Victoria Jackson. I just looked at the pictures all over their home. I mean, all over their home of, fa- of like Adam Sandler and Tom Hanks with my girlfriend's mom. And it was just like, I thought it was amazing. And I thought I might marry into the family of SNL's Victoria Jackson. And then I did. And I thought, how cool. SNL's Victoria Jackson is my mother-in-law. But here's what's happened over the over 17 years that I've been in the family. Somewhere along the way, and I couldn't tell you when, but it didn't take long, Vicky stopped being SNL's Victoria Jackson, and she became my mother-in-law. She became Bam Bam to my daughters, right? Somewhere in the course of our relationship, it just became normal to me. I'm not exaggerating. I never think about the fact that she was on TV, like ever. She's just Vicky. She's Bam Bam. She's a great mother-in-law. She's an awesome grandma, and she's a regular part of my life. But this was several years ago. I've, there's a sports website called The Ringer that I read basically every day. They also do pop culture stuff, and I'm just in my life just reading my articles. And they had a tournament-style bracket of the top 40 cast members in SNL history trying to decide who was the greatest ever. Out of the 140 or whatever that happened at that point, they narrowed it down to 40. I'm just living life, and there's Victoria Jackson on this bracket with, like, Will Ferrell and Eddie Murphy, and she's going head-to-head with Dana Carvey in the first round, and she got blown out by Dana Carvey in the first round. But it was a surreal moment, like... It broke into my that Victoria Jackson is my mother-in-law. I don't think about it, but I remembered for a moment how crazily uncommon it is that my daughter's grandma used to date Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> it's <a> true story. <laughs> my, my mom, 
my, my wife's mom was in some of the most famous comedy sketches of all time. And it had become commonplace to me. Suddenly, though, I saw it from a new perspective. And the wonder returned. And my wife will tell you, the next time we were with her, a couple weeks later at lunch, I was like, Vicki, you got to tell me more stories about SNL. Like, can you believe you were on SNL? <laughs> so here's the point. I never think about the fact that my mother-in-law's had a crazy career because she's just part of my routine. The impressiveness normalizes like it does with virtually anything. But then something jolted me out of the familiarity and reminded me to be amazed. That's what I'm praying happens this month as we look at three angelic Christmas conversations that's what I'm hoping happens this morning as from our passage in Luke chapter 1. It can jolt us from the familiarity that we feel with Christmas. Every day this time of year, some part of us thinks about Jesus coming as a baby, and there were angels and shepherds and something about a manger, and it's all just very normal. Having Victoria Jackson as a mother-in-law is not normal, but I forget And church, the massively significant supernatural events of Christmas are not normal. The work of God through angelic beings and lowly shepherds and tyrant kings to bring the Messiah bodily to this world is not normal. No matter how many times we set up our plastic nativities or decorate our tree, Christmas is is astonishing. Christmas is the pivot point for history, for all of history. B.C. became A.D. Darkness became light. Hopelessness became hope. A virgin became pregnant. Invisible angels became embodied beings sharing a message with humans that Jesus was coming to save the world and reign forever. So my prayer for us this morning and for the coming weeks is that the wonder of Christmas and the wonder of Jesus breaks through our routine. So I'm going to read this conversation between the angel Gabriel and Mary, the mother of Jesus. These are words from God about the rescuing of the world. Verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God. That's a weird sentence. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. This virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. The angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be? 
Since I have not had sexual relations with a man, the angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. See, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it happen to me as you have said, and the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. So we're going to look at this message that Gabriel brought Mary, and we're going to ask two questions that Mary had to ask in light of what she heard from the angel. And the first question is this, how can this be? How can what we just read be? There's at least two things happening here that we should account for. The first is in verses 28 and 29. The angel came to her and said, greetings. The angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Everything that happens in this conversation is absurd. But first, an angel came to Mary. We'll start there. That's a tough thing to have happen in the middle of a young girl's life. Mary might have been the age of barely older, a year, two, three older than my daughter. Right there, just an angel shows up ever anywhere in scripture is emotionally or mentally prepared for the arrival of an angel everybody you know this everybody falls down or they freaked out actually mary's about as measured of a response as you're going to get and she still the scripture says is deeply troubled this is our first opportunity to let the supernatural nature of christmas burst through your present wrapping plans Angels are supernatural beings. Angels are spirit beings who can be embodied for the purposes of God. That's what was happening here. How can this be? Angels are avaternal beings. Avaternal. You may not know that word, but it means that angels are created. And after they are created, once they're created, they are eternal. So they are created eternal beings and they're immensely powerful. For example, remember in Pharaoh's story in the Bible, outside of Christ, like God sends an angel in 2 Kings 19, go read it, to fight on behalf of his people against the Assyrians. One angel destroys 185,000 Assyrians. 185, like that's real life Thor. It is. An avaternal being, 185,000 to one. It's no contest. How can this be? Because angels are not of this world. They are not of the power of this world. They are not of the priorities of this world. They cannot be harmed by the people of this world. And Gabriel's name means devoted to God. 
The Bible says Gabriel's job is to stand in the presence of the creator of the universe. So let's just remember for a moment at Christmas that there is an all-powerful God of the universe who made everything, including countless innumerable angelic beings who serve that one true God. Gabriel's job was to stand before God, to be his messenger, and suddenly this otherworldly, eternal unfathomably powerful messenger of God is standing in front of a teenage girl saying, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. That is not a holiday greeting. This is the supernatural work of God. How can this be? But did you notice that what the angel said was more troubling Then the angel itself, read those last two verses again. And the angel came to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting could this be? It's more the statement somehow that Mary's troubled by. This is so beautiful. It's so important. Mary, you're favored by God. Mary, the Lord is with you. And she's deeply troubled. She thought, what kind of greeting can this be? Is this a joke? Is this angel mocking me? I'm not favored. Why would the Lord be with me? This is the brokenness of the human heart that can't initially fathom the most beautiful, most important truth in the world. We all, like Mary, struggle to believe that God wants to be with us. How could God favor me? That's a miracle. That doesn't make sense. How can this be favored, favored by God? But Mary's incredulity isn't finished. Gabriel then goes on to explain that not only was God going to be with Mary, but he was going to be within Mary because she was going to have a son. And that son would be called womb, God in human flesh in her womb. Gabriel told Mary that she was going to give birth to the long-awaited Messiah who would come to rule his people. This takes us to Mary's response in verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I have not yet had sexual relations with the man? How can this be? Mary asks, none of this makes any sense. Gabriel explains, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God, for nothing shall be impossible with God. This is Christmas. Do we believe that nothing will be impossible with God? Because all of us have to wrestle with this question. How can this be? And like Mary, we really wrestle. She's wrestling in two ways here. That's why we ask and answer the question. She's wrestling in two ways. How can this be scientifically? Right? How can an angel come to earth? How can the Holy Spirit conceive a child? How can a virgin be a mother? How can a baby be God? The wonder of Christmas pushes on us scientifically. But we also have to answer, how can this be for me? 
The wonder of Christian, Christmas pushes on us personally. How can I believe that God wants to be with me? How can I believe that God really can give me his favor and his blessing through his son? How can any of this be? I want to read you a quote from Bible commentator Norval Gelden Hughes. I'm not sure there's ever been a more Bible scholarly name than Norval Gelden Hughes. But he wrote this beautiful uh, passage to help us answer the question, how can this be? He wrote, with regard to the constant attacks on the credibility of Luke, where he describes events such as those, we wish only to remark that the attitude adopted by commentators towards such biblical stories forms part of their whole opinion of God and his revelation to man. He who believes that God is really the almighty creator and preserver of the whole creation will have no difficulty in believing that he has intervened miraculously in the course of human history. Such a person realizes that although God as a God of order will not act contrary to nature or violate his own laws, nevertheless, where it is necessary for his glory or for the spiritual well-being of mankind, he acts in a supernatural manner by bringing into play higher laws than those which we as human beings are familiar, especially in the coming of Christ into the world. It is the most natural thing that God Almighty should by these supernatural means the incarnations and display the greatest of all events in the history of mankind, the incarnation of Christ for the salvation of the lost. Thank you, Norval Gelden Hughes. Norval is saying, of course God showed off at Christmas. The most powerful being in the world was intervening in the, intervening in the most important moment in the history of the world. It's just like Gabriel said, with God, all things are impossible. And if you believe that he is, you believe that he can. They go together. God is the commander of angel armies. Of course he can send an angelic messenger to the mom of his son. He's the creator of all life. Of course he can place inside of Mary the savior of the world. So the miracle of Christmas is certainly possible for God, but it's also personal for us. This is where we get to see that the miracle of Christmas is both astonishing and good. It's a supernatural message, and it's a supernatural message of favor. The angel calls Mary favored twice. In verses 28 and 31, the angel says, Mary has found favor with God, even though there's nothing to say she was looking for favor with God. Mary probably did not assume that over the millennia she would be the one to bring the Messiah into the world. Probably not. You know what? I bet I'll be the one. I bet I'll be, I feel like I'll be the one to be the payoff of this multi-millennia promise. No. God just chose to give his favor to her. She found favor because God, jo- God chose to give favor. God chose Mary 
to bring Jesus into the world, God can do and does do the impossible, and God can and does love the undeserving. Two truths we must, how can this be? Which leads us to the second question we need to wrestle with. Mary found favor, but what was she going to do with it? God wanted to be with Mary, but for that to happen, she had to wrestle with the second question. So first, how can this be? Second, will I surrender? Here's what that means. Will you see? Mary had to answer this question. Will you see Jesus, not just as a baby, but as a king? We spent almost 40 minutes last week setting this up from Old Testament history. The God, Jesus, not just as a Christmas decoration, but as the God King. Do we celebrate Christmas or do we bow down to Jesus? We have to answer that. That's a question we have to answer. We get to answer every single day. Will I give my life? to worship, serve, obey the baby of Christmas. Let that central reality of Christmas break into your heart again. Jesus didn't come so we could sing Christmas carols to him. He came so that we would crown him as king of our lives. He came so that we would submit to him, so that we would admit admit every day that we need him. That baby came because we needed a king. Mary had to wrestle with that same reality. Will I surrender? I'm his mom. I mean, look at the things that Gabriel said would be true about Jesus. The son Mary would carry. In verse 32, he's the son of the Most High. This is not a regular child, Mary. The Most High. One of my daughters will have a birthday party in a couple weeks with kids from her class. That invitation will not say, come celebrate the birth of the daughter of the Most High. Only Jesus can say that. And Christmas requires that we recognize the truth of that. Her her son was the son of the Most High. Verse 32 also says the baby will have the throne of David. Last week we looked at every king from Saul and David to Jesus. Jesus was the king that the world had long waited for. Jesus was the king the world needed. It's Christmas. Verse 33, Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob forever. We'll look at this a little more next week. But Jesus is the fulfillment of of a millennia-old promise to bless the world, the entire world. That he was going to do that, God was going to do that through Mary's baby. And she had to accept that. Also, verse 33, my goodness, Mary had to wrestle with the reality that her baby's kingdom will never end. Like, this is, this is normal. 
Everything ends. I'm sorry for shouting at you, but just yesterday, I went to pick up what looked like a perfect banana. (laughs) And because of the way it was sitting in this brown ball at our house, when I grabbed it, the whole back of it was jelly. Pristine front. 100% decay in the rear. That's life. For everything except Jesus. His kingdom and therefore his favor is never ending. Gabriel said in verse 35, the power of the most high will overshadow you. So this happened not because of Mary's power. What power? What power? You are favored, Mary. You know what she did? She was just standing there. Okay. I'm favored. I guess I'm favored. This makes me very uncomfortable. It's God's power that makes the impossible happen. Verse 35 also, Jesus is called the Holy One. Not Mary. Not you. This baby was the Holy One who would live a pure and sinless life to become the perfect sacrifice on the cross to take away the sins of the world, which means that Jesus would someday die for the sins of Mary. Will she surrender? At the end of verse 35, Gabriel also calls Jesus the Son of God. God, The Son of God. So God is being born. The hero is coming to earth to captivate, to conquer, to reign forever. Just look at the screen. Look at the screen. Just change our holiday. It changes who's in charge. That's the baby. Mary. What will you do with this? What will you do with this favor you have been shown? Mary, your only hope. So how did Mary respond to the reality that she would give birth to the king she would need to trust? I've taken my daughters on dates where I've literally told them, I'll take you anywhere you want to go, and we go to McDonald's. We, we can't fathom trusting the wisdom of children. Mary was being told, your son will be the king forever. And she had to respond to that reality, knowing that she would need to worship and follow and obey the baby she would deliver. Isn't Christmas amazing? The king of the universe was coming, and the first person to know was his mommy. And right now, because she was just favored. She was just favored. Right now, Mary is worshiping before a throne on which her baby boy (laughs) is seated for all eternity. It's not because of Mary. 
It's because Jesus is the Son of God and the King of David and the Holy One. He's the Most High. His throne will never end. So what did Mary do? What did Mary do in the face of such astonishing circumstances? She surrendered. She bowed her knee to the sovereign son she would bear. And her response is our response in verse 38. See, I am the Lord's servant. May it happen to me as you have said. Mary responded in faith. I am the Lord's servant. I don't understand much of what's happening, I'm sure. She probably didn't understand a lot about her life until it was over. And there were still plenty of reasons for her to be afraid, to be confused. She's got no idea at this moment how her fiancé is going to react. Is he going to call off the wedding? Is she going to have to provide for herself the rest of her life? She doesn't know what others are going to think of her. She doesn't know how her family is going to respond. Will they kick her out? What are people going to think? But Mary surrenders and says, I am the Lord's servant. We remember again, the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. It changes everything to be favored by the king. So she did not need to fear, and the same is true for you and I today if we are in Christ. If you are favored by the king, you don't need to fear. If you have surrendered to King Jesus, you are highly favored. Like Mary, in Christ, we are favored not because of our goodness, but because Christ's goodness lives in us through his finished work. The finished work, the future finished work of that baby on the cross, and now the past finished work of that baby on the cross. And this may, be the, this may be the hardest part of the Christmas story to believe. To believe you are favored by that king. Martin Luther wrote that the biggest miracle in this passage is not the virgin birth, but the reality that Mary believed and trusted that she was chosen by that God. He wrote this, it's so beautiful. The virgin birth is a mere trifle for God. That God should become a man is a greater miracle, but most amazing of all is that this maiden should credit the announcement that she, rather than some other version, had been chosen to be the mother of God. Mary chosen and found favor with God. How can this be? And you too have been chosen and found favor with God if you have encountered King Jesus and trusted in him. What would life be like this week if you bowed your knees before King Jesus and said like she said, I am your servant and not just a servant, a favored servant. I am your favored servant. I have your favor. I have your love. I have your blessing. I can obey because I'm favored by the king. I can trust because I'm favored by the king. I can surrender without fear of whatever because I am favored by that king. That is what Jesus deserves. So can we consider Christmas today for the next few weeks while trusting and worshiping that king?
uh, we're going to worship in a moment, and, and there will be, you know, as always, a, a general call. If you want to respond to salvation, we will pray with you. If you want to join this body, we will pray for you. If there's something in your life that, that, that we can pray with you about, we would love to. But I want to call you to worship during this moment. Worship that king. And I want to finish by reading which we just read together during our uh, uh, confession of faith. The song of worship that poured out of Mary just a few verses after what we just read. Mary encountered the unfathomable, unfathomable reality of the favor of God, the coming of the Messiah King, and her response can be our response as well. This is Luke 1, 46 through 55. She said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Thank you, Lord. Surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. And Jesus, we say thank you. You surrendered spirits that rejoice in you, our Savior, because you have looked upon the lowly, undeserving, needy, broken, and you have fed us, you have raised us up, you have healed us, you have secured us, you have held us, you have been merciful, you have given us your favor now and forever. And God, I pray that you would melt our hearts with the magnitude of this truth this season. God, you came as a baby. You came as a baby to be the sacrifice that we needed. And I pray that we would receive you every day as our rescuer and as our, as our king. And we worship you in light of your goodness now in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you.